Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. Today, the very first Sunday after Christmas, I want us to look at two very different people in the original Christmas story, and their two very different responses to Jesus. And what I hope you'll see today is that Jesus still elicits the same two responses today. But I want to be crystal clear. You have to respond to Jesus. The one thing you can't be about Jesus is neutral. Jesus doesn't give us that option. He claimed to be the son of God. He said that if you've seen me, you've seen the father. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. So he was either a crazy lunatic, a lying con man, or he is who he claimed to be, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the resurrected son of God, worthy of all of our worship. So you have to respond. You have to choose. So the first person I want us to talk about today could be called the original Christmas Grinch, a mean man if there ever was one, who 2,000 years ago thought he too could prevent Christmas from coming. His name was Herod, and he was a man who was threatened, threatened by Jesus. And today I want us to talk about five characteristics of this man. First of all, Herod was a corrupt man. He was corrupt. He was called Herod the Great, but mostly that was at his own insistence. He actually governed in Palestine at the birth of Christ for about 40 years. So at this time, he would have been about 70 years old. He was a great builder. Uh, he rebuilt the temple in Jerusalem. In fact, the huge stones and the wailing wall that stand to this day in the city of Jerusalem, Herod actually built those 2,000 years ago. But after he took the throne, he put to death the 70-member Jewish Sanhedrin, all of them. And during the course of his bloody reign, listen to this, he killed his brother-in-law, his mother-in-law, his wife, and three of his own children because he felt like they were trying to undermine him. In fact, Caesar once sarcastically said that it was safer to be Herod's pig than one of his own children. Herod was also a paranoid man. He's a great illustration of the, the paranoia of power. You know, it's amazing what happens to people when they get just a little taste of power. In fact, I want you to listen to Matthew chapter two, verses one through three. It says this, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from Eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn King of the Jews? We saw a star as it rose and we've come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this as was everyone in Jerusalem. Isn't it crazy that uh, Herod uh, is disturbed by this news? I mean, think about it. He's 70 years old, and yet he seems to be threatened by a child, by a baby. I mean, even if they all misunderstood uh, what kind of king Jesus would be, by the time Jesus would have taken the throne, Herod would have been retired or maybe even dead. But Herod is so paranoid, his thinking has become distorted. Herod was also a deceitful man, a deceitful man. He called in the Jewish scholars and he said, hey, so where is this, uh, this Messiah supposed to be born? And they said, well, the scriptures teach that he's to be born in the city of David. So Herod says to the wise men, well, you go and find the Christ child in Bethlehem. And then when you find him, come back to me and report so that I'll be able to come and worship him too. Let me tell you something. Herod had no intent whatsoever to worship the newborn king. You know what he wanted to do? He wanted to kill him. He wanted to eliminate him, which leads me to the next characteristic of Herod. 
He was also a brutal man, a brutal man. After finding the baby Jesus, the wise men were told by an angel to go home a different way and not to tell Herod. Listen to verse 16. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Jerusalem who were two years old and under based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Can you imagine and picture just what a horrendous, bloody scene this must have been. I mean, when Herod murdered these babies, he probably drew a five-mile radius around the city of Bethlehem and then just slaughtered them all. And I got a feeling a whole lot of two-and-a-half-year-olds and three-year-olds and four-year-olds got killed as well. You know, I kind of doubt that the soldiers took time to you know, check birth certificates. In fact, Josephus, a Jewish historian from that time period, said that the blood flowed down the streets like a river. But Mary and Joseph were warned by God to escape Bethlehem and to flee Egypt. Flee to Egypt. But I don't want you to miss this. Herod was also a mortal man. He was mortal. In fact, uh, Matthew 2.19 simply begins this way. When Herod died. So this, this powerful man, just like all men died, his reign of terror was over. Listen, the influential, the wealthy, the famous, they all die. And listen, so will we. We will all die and we will all stand before God. Hebrews 9.27, in fact, says, just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. Now, you might push back a little bit today and say, come on, Pastor Chris, you know, I'm no Herod. You know, I, I might have my faults, I might be a little messed up, but I'm not a homicidal, genocidal, paranoid, crazed dictator. Well, probably not. But let me say this. If your primary goal in life is your own ego and building yourself up, you are always, always going to feel uncomfortable with Jesus because he, he poses a threat to your pride. You know, he's not concerned about your self-promotion. He's concerned about your, your service, your submission. In fact, Jesus said this in Matthew 18, 3, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sin and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. If your primary goal in life is to uh, chase after the American dream and accumulate more and more stuff, you're always going to feel uneasy with Jesus. He's always gonna make you feel uncomfortable because Jesus said this in Luke 9, 25. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but are yourself lost or destroyed? If your goal in life is just to live the good life and uh, to indulge in all the pleasures that this world has to offer, again, you're gonna feel uncomfortable with Jesus. Because Jesus said this in Matthew 10, 38, if you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine. But let me say this. Jesus also said this in Luke 13, 3, and you will all perish too, unless, unless you repent of your sin and turn to God. You know, for so many people, that right there is the rub. That's the sticking point. You know, it's just so hard to admit, to admit that you're wrong. You know, to admit that your life has been heading in the wrong direction, you know, with your time, with your priorities, with your money, with your life, all of it. But to become a believer, to become a Christian, a follower of Jesus, you've got to be able to say at some point, you know what? I admit it. I'm wrong. You know, I am a savior. I, I am in need of a savior. Uh, I am a sinner. I'm in need of a savior. Um, I change my mind about Jesus. I repent. I surrender my life to him. 
And that right there is why so many people, maybe some of you today, just like Herod, are threatened by Jesus. But there's another response to Jesus, another choice to make. And a man in the Bible by the name of Simeon made that choice. He embraced Jesus. He embraced him. Now, Simeon was probably about the same age as Herod, and uh, they both happened to live in the same town of Jerusalem. But what a contrast in their character. You know, Herod was this corrupt man. Simeon, on the other hand, is a godly man, a godly man. Luke 2, 25 and 26 says this, at that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So the Bible says simply that he was a righteous man, a devout man, and that the Holy Spirit was with him. In other words, he walked closely with God. He loved and served God. He loved and served his fellow man. And while Herod was paranoid, Simeon, on the other hand, was confident. He was confident. Listen to uh, verses 27 through 32. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and he praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Simeon knew, he knew from that moment that he laid his eyes on the baby Jesus that this is the Messiah. It was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. You know, I've talked to uh, several of you over the years um, that when you met the person who is now your spouse, as soon as you saw them or you went out with them on that very first date, you said, that's the person I'm going to marry. In fact, many of you might not know this, but that's exactly how I felt on my very first date with my wife, Janet. Um, I actually told her that I loved her on our very first date. Now, let me explain. Being at Bible college, she did respond by saying that she loved me too. Although, again, since we're at Bible college, I think she meant it more like you would tell a puppy dog, like, oh, I love you too. But uh, she changed her tune pretty quickly though. Um, how many of you though, after that first date said, I'm going to marry this person. I'd love for you to uh, leave a comment for me in the chat and uh, let me know how many of you, that, you know, that's the case for you. How many of you, though, let me say this, how many of you, though, now have some doubts whether or not that was actually of the Holy Spirit? Now, I'm just joking. Don't, don't leave any comments about that. But, but Simeon, listen to this. He saw Jesus, and the very first time that he saw them, he said, this is him. He was confident. Uh, Herod was brutal. Simeon was tender. Simeon, the Bible tells us, uh, took the baby Jesus in his arms. And that's such a precious, tender scene. And what a contrast to Herod, brutally murdering all those children of Bethlehem. Listen, Jesus brings a tenderness to our lives, if you'll let him. The Bible actually says that one of the fruits of the Spirit, one of the evidences of, uh, that you are walking with God is actually gentleness. You know, John in the Bible was nicknamed the son of thunder before he met Jesus, and then he becomes the apostle of love. 
Saul of Tarsus slaughtered Christians and then he met Jesus and he became the Apostle Paul who wrote in Philippians 4 or 5, let your gentleness be evident to all, be known to all. You see, Jesus has a way of doing that, of mellowing the, the harshest of people. You see, there's a big, big difference between the brutality of Herod and then the tenderness of Simeon. And you know what? There should be a big, big difference between you and me and the, as followers of Jesus and the world around us. So let me ask you, you know, is, is there a gentleness about your life? Men, are you gentle and tender with your, with your wife, with your children? Herod was deceitful. Simeon, on the other hand, was truthful. He was truthful. In verse 32, Simeon said that Jesus was going to be a light to reveal God to the nations, including the Gentiles. Now, the Jews thought that the Messiah was only going to come for them, for the Jewish people. They hated the Gentiles. And so for Simeon here to say that he's going to be a light for the nations, let me tell you, was not a very popular thing for him to say, but he told the truth regardless of its popularity. We need more people just like him, don't we? And then in verses 34 and 35, he said this to Mary. He said, Mary, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Now, listen, every parent, every mom and dad loves to hear people uh, brag about their child. In fact, from the time they're born, you know, and you take them to that very first doctor's appointment at the pediatrician, and, uh, you know, the doctor comes out and he says, hey, uh, uh, your son, your daughter, they're the 95th percentile for their height. And man, you're beaming with pride. You're, you're, you're telling everybody you know, oh, they're in the 95th percentile, you know, for their height. Like, like you even know what that means, right? And then like, it, it almost for you, like they got a, an A, their first A on their report card or something, right? Well, when Mary heard Simeon say, this child is gonna cause the rise of many in Israel. This child is gonna cause the thoughts of many hearts to be revealed. I bet her heart just, you know, exploded with pride. But then when she heard him say, he's gonna cause the fall of many. He's going to be a sign that's going to be spoken against. It had to trouble her heart. I mean, what did Simeon mean? What, what was he talking about? Well, for those who accept Jesus, Jesus is the, he's the foundation for life, the foundation for living. But for those who reject him, he's the stumbling stone, a stumbling block. You see, the thief on the cross, he would uh, confess. One thief would, but then the other thief would curse. Peter repented and would be reinstated, but Judas would uh, despair of life and kill himself. The Bible describes Jesus as both a cornerstone and a stumbling block. And Simon said that he's going to cause the rise and the fall of many, depending, depending on your response. And then Simeon said this, Mary, because of this child, a sword is going to pierce your soul too. Listen, Mary knew absolute and utter joy because she was one of those people that was at the empty tomb and she saw the resurrected Christ. But think about what that mom must have endured at the cross. You know, when she saw that, that soldier drive that spear into the side of her son, you know she felt that in her own heart as well. That had to, hard, that had to be hard for, you know, for Simeon to share that with her. But Simeon was truthful, while Herod was deceitful. Herod was a mortal man who died without hope. Simeon, by contrast, 
died with a promise, with a promise. In verses 29 and 30, he said, you may now dismiss your servant in peace for my eyes have seen your salvation. Do you know what uh, history tells us that uh, Herod did shortly before he died? He actually knew. I mean, he figured it out, you know, that there were going to be people who were going to celebrate his death. So he ordered that when he died, the heads of prominent families were to be executed throughout the land, just so that there might be some tears that would be shed on the day that he died. Nice, nice guy, right? Well, when Simeon died, he died in peace because he knew that he had seen the Savior and he knew that he was going to meet God. Listen, Jesus gives us a peace that passes understanding in this life and in the life to come. And it all depends on whether or not you are threatened by Jesus, like Herod, or you embrace Jesus, like Simeon. When Simeon held Jesus in his arms, he knew, he knew that he knew that this was God's Christmas gift. You know what? Another Christmas has come and gone. And Jesus, to this day, he is still extending his arms to you, to everyone, to the young, the old, the rich, the poor, the educated, the uneducated, everyone. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, he is still extending his arms to you. He is waiting this day to be embraced. Now, like Herod, you can reject Jesus. You can be threatened by him. You know, you can simply uh, relegate him to, a, to an ornament on a tree or a, or a figurine in a manger scene that you pull out once a year and then you kind of put away. Or you can choose to embrace him. You can choose to accept him. You can choose to give him your life, to give him your heart. That choice is yours. And you can make it right here and right now today, wherever you're at, wherever you're watching, you can give your life to him. You can choose, like Simeon, to welcome him, to embrace him into your life. You can do that right now, right here in a prayer. Wherever you're at, would you bow your heads and pray with me right now? Dear Heavenly Father, God, today, I thank you again for your word. I thank you for this devout, faithful man by the name of Simeon. And Father, it's, it's, my, it's my belief, and I, I know this to be true, that there are people watching this right now um, who are ready to come home, who are ready to embrace Jesus, who are ready to welcome him into their hearts. And if that's you, wherever you're at, where, wherever you're watching this, just pray a simple prayer like this. Dear Heavenly Father, I do admit it. I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I've messed up. I've gone my own way. But today, today I turn around. I want to go your way. I believe, I believe that Jesus really is your son. I believe that he came to earth at Christmas and he grew to become a man. He lived a perfect life and he gave his life for mine on the cross. My sin put him on that cross. But I believe that sin and death could not contain him, and he proved his power over sin and death by rising from the dead. I believe that he is alive. And as much as I know how, as much as I understand, 
today. I ask him to come into my life. I embrace him. I welcome him. I ask him to be my savior and to be my Lord. And for the rest of my life, I want to follow him. It's in the beautiful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.